0: Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CFEastBernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content.
1: Well, the last few weeks, we have been walking through the book of Hebrews and you might be like my wife, you might go, it seems like you're saying the same thing every week. <laughs> and that's exactly what the author's doing. As we've walked through this, you've saw that he said uh, in the first few chapters that Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater. He's greater. He's greater. He's greater. He's greater. And so today, what's ultimately going to happen is that the author is going to culminate all of this that he's been saying into this kind of final little thing that we're going to talk about today when he says that the Jesus is greater than the old covenant. And we're going to look at that here in a few minutes. We're going to be in chapter 8. So if you want to start turning there, you can do that. But will you pray with me? Father God, this morning we just want you to come and to speak to us. God, remove me. God, again, let it be all about what you would say to us. Help us to hear with hearts that receive, with minds that are listening, God, to what your word would speak to us. We trust you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I uh, personally believe that the 80s was the greatest decade of all time. I'm glad I got a little bit of a fan there. Um, I mean, soft rock ruled the airwaves. Right? I'm a huge soft rock guy, by the way. Soft rock ruled the airways. We had uh, the, the gym, the bright, clo- bright, bright colored gym clothes that were like in fashion. I don't think I've seen that in a long time. Uh, and then the, there was the end of the Cold War, it was coming to a close. But there was a war that was just heating up in the 80s. And let's see if any of you remember this the Cola Wars. Do you remember this? Coca-Cola had been dominant, they had reigned supreme for like a hundred years in the cola department, but Pepsi had started to kind of make their way back up, and they were starting to become a a pretty good cola, and Coca-Cola was losing its prominence. And so to to fight this, Coca-Cola said, all right, we're going to come out with something brand new, completely new, and we're going to come out with this thing called New Coke. Do you remember this? New Coke, right? And they boasted that it had, you know, a great flavor and that it was going to be just fantastic. And they, they, they had spent millions of dollars to try to promote New Coke, thinking, okay, this is going to be what puts us back on top. But the people didn't like it. They rejected it. And so all in all, Coca-Cola lost $34 million their new Coke. And on top of that, the people said, this isn't new. This tastes like the diet Coke that we've already had, but it's got a little bit more corn syrup in it. (laughs) So the people rejected it. they couldn't stand what they had had. You know, sometimes new isn't always better. But I want to show you today from Hebrews how the new covenant is absolutely better than the old covenant, and we're going to look at three unique promises that are found in Hebrews chapter 8. So let's begin reading in Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Okay, here's where I want to start. We need, to, first of all, let's talk about this question: What is a covenant? What is a covenant? If the new covenant is better than the old covenant, we first need to understand what is a covenant. Well, a covenant is basically an agreement made upon by two or more parties that are kind of um, satisfied by some promises that are exchanged back and forth. And there's tons of covenants in the Old Testament. We have personal covenants like the one that David and Jonathan make as friends in 1 Samuel 23. They make a covenant, a friendship covenant. We have another political covenant that's made in, in 1 Kings chapter 5 where a couple of kings and or nations have gathered together and they make a covenant with one another. Okay, But truthfully for us, the easiest way for us to understand a covenant is one that we still have today, the covenant of marriage. Probably the easiest one for us to understand, the easiest one for us to relate to, right? So in the covenant of marriage, you make particular promises or agreements. Truth is, last night, yesterday, uh, Emily and I looked at ours. We had our own vows. Anybody write their own vows for their marriage? No? A couple? Okay, it's a couple people. We wrote our own vows, and we actually, we hadn't looked at them in a long, long time, and she found them, and so we were looking through them, kind of seeing the things that we had promised to each other. We found one that was absolutely uh, just hilarious. I said something about massaging her belly. We I have no idea. It was very, very weird. I don't know, it, was, it was something that I wrote in my vows. It was very, very, very entertaining for us. Um, but, but the truth is, these vows, right? you probably you're probably familiar with the more traditional ones. The one that says, you know, I, Bob, take you, Cindy. Uh, to be to be uh, your husband to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse for richer or for poor sickness and in health to love and to cherish until death do us part right you're probably familiar with those so these this is a covenant they're making promises to one another and then the covenant is often sealed with something for example in a marriage we know that the covenant is sealed with a ring you are given the ring and the ring is a symbol of this covenant, these promises that you have made to one another. Okay? But what we're gonna see is that there's some really important covenants that God actually establishes with his people. We have one with Adam and Eve, where God makes a covenant with them. We have one with Noah. You might remember the rainbow is kind of the seal of that promise, of that covenant, that he's never gonna flood the earth again. We have a covenant that he makes with Abraham. And then we have the the one that's the most important for us is the one that most of these readers would have understood when the Hebrew author is talking to them, and that's the covenant of the law found through Moses. He was kind of the initiator of that. He was the the bringer of that. And so Moses' covenant. But there's one that I think is hilarious. I mean, since we're being silly today a little bit, right? Uh, The one that I think is the best is is the seal that was given whenever Ruth becomes Boaz's. Boaz, you might remember in the book of Ruth, Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer. He purchases Ruth as his wife, okay? I know that sounds a little weird, but that's customary at the time, all right? But he purchased her as wife, but he had to go through another closer kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer was just a, a family member who was supposed to, if any, if any a man had passed away and he left his wife widowed, the, the kinsman redeemer was supposed to take care of that wife. He was supposed to take care of the one that had, had lost their husband, okay? And so the closest kinsman redeemer lived in the town, and it wasn't Boaz, but Boaz had really wanted to make sure that he took care of her, and so he goes and he makes sure, and he's like, hey, is this going to be okay? Yeah, this is okay, I understand, and he gives a sandal as a sign of the covenant. Women, how many of you would love to have a sandal be the thing that represents your marriage? That would be great, right? (laughs) So we see all these covenants, but there's one that's in particular to this Hebrew audience that's important, and that's The old covenant, okay? So let's look at the old covenant. What was the old covenant? What were the conditions of it? Well, this one's significant. This one's extremely significant because God reminds the people over and over again of this covenant. In Deuteronomy, God actually says, Here's the agreement that I'm going to put. I am going to bless Israel. I'm going to bless you, Israel. And here's some of the promises. I want you to catch these. He says, You'll have lots of children. Some of you are like, Nope, not into it, right? He says, your crops will grow abundantly. And all the farmers in the room said, amen, right? And then he says, your enemies won't be able to contend with you. These are some pretty good promises that God makes, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. These promises were conditional. In other words, here's what God said. God said, if you do this, if you obey this, I will do this. So all of those promises we just heard, they were conditional. God had said, if you will obey me, my laws, and what I say, then I will bless you in these ways. And of course, the problem is, they didn't, right? Now, I want you to know something else, too. Notice how, what all these things had in common. What do all those promises have in common, they were tied to the here and now. There was nothing about eternity, nothing about afterlife, nothing about heaven, that's included. But the problem is, is that this Hebrew audience that Paul, that uh, the author is writing to, they think that by what they're doing, trying to follow the law, that they're going to actually receive heaven. But there's nowhere in the scriptures that it says that that's going to happen. There's no promise for the, under the old covenant of heaven. That's not, that's not there. It's not there. Ray Comfort is a street evangelist. Some of you might be familiar with him. He Sometimes we'll do events with Kirk Cameron. Remember Kirk Cameron from the 80s? Yeah, I told you, the 80s are the best decade, right? Kirk Cameron, sometimes we we'll tour with him. He's a street evangelist, and a lot of times he'll start out a conversation with somebody on the street, and he'll say, hey, if there's a heaven, do you think that you'll be there? And they'll be like, yes, yes, I do. And he will always follow it up with this. Why? And they say, because I'm a good person. Because I do good things. But again, the, the, the problem is there's nowhere that we see in the scriptures where God says, yeah, if you'll just be a good person, if you'll just be good, then you'll get to go to heaven. It's not there. It's, in fact, it's exactly the opposite. We've talked about this last week. We see that when our sin, our moral failing, when we haven't loved God the way we're supposed to love God, when we haven't loved our neighbor the way we're supposed to love our neighbor, that we actually see that we're separated from God. So the thing that we've earned by our deeds is to be separated from God. We haven't earned heaven. We've earned separation from him. But here's where the author of Hebrews is going to really press in, okay? So here's what he says. The author of Hebrews explains that there's a new covenant, and it's not like New cope. all right? It really is a new covenant, And the truth is, this new covenant was talked about, it was prophesied in the Old Testament to Israel through Jeremiah. So this whole portion that we read a minute ago is actually uh, quoting Jeremiah the prophet when he says this. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. What type of covenant? A new covenant. And so just so we can clarify, okay, I know I've said it a couple of times now, but the new covenant is not a better version of the old covenant. That's not what we're talking about. It is completely new. In fact, in the Greek, there are two words for new. The first one is neos, obviously. That seems like where we probably get our word new, correct? But it means in regards to time. So in other words, it's comparing itself to something else. So it's newer. It's not old. It's the newer one, newer version of it, right? But then there's another Greek word, and this Greek word is kainos. And that Greek word means, literally, it means not found anywhere like it before. Guess which one the author uses here? The second one, kynos. This new covenant is not like anything that has ever been seen before. It's new. It's new. It's not like the old one. The old one, like we said, is based off of everything that the Israelites did. If you do this, I will do this. But that's not what God's doing here. God's doing something completely different. He is making an unconditional promise, an unconditional covenant. In fact, look at how it starts. Look at verse 10. Look at what he says. This is the covenant I will establish. Keep on going. I will put my laws in their minds and hearts. I will be their God. I will forgive their wickedness. God says, it's not about anything that you're going to do. It's all about what I will do. God says, I am going to do this. I love the way that Paul actually says it in Ephesians he says it this way, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's nothing you can do. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So it's not a covenant that we can do anything about. We can't do anything. It's all about what God is doing. Now, this covenant is received by faith. Let's let's see what John says about this covenant. He says, for God so loved the world, you probably know this one, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, whoever has faith in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So not only is this this new covenant unconditional, but guess what? It's also forever. Do you see that? The eternal life that we get if we trust in Jesus' sacrifice for us eternal, okay? Now, there may be some temptation here um, to kind of throw out the old covenant altogether then. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Why in the world should we even look at that? Why should we look at the Old Testament at all if the new covenant is new and completely different, and it's the one that we're supposed to be about? Why should we even care about the Old Testament? Well, here's the thing. God doesn't break his promises. God doesn't break his promises. So guess what? That old covenant. For a particular group of people, the Israelites, God keeps his promises. Now, the new covenant is for Israel, but also for all of us who are mostly Gentiles, I would imagine. I don't think a lot of us have Jewish heritage. We're grafted in to this new covenant. We get to be part of it. I actually, this is, this is the way that, that Paul talks about it. Paul says, if you want to understand the relationship of the old covenant to the new covenant, he says this. He says, it's a guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now, this picture of the guardian is actually a Greek slave who was responsible for getting younger kids, like elementary age kids, to school, back from school, and making sure their conduct was good until they were old enough to do that on their own. So that's the picture that Paul says of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was there as kind of this this, this place setting, knowing that this is leading to the new covenant. It was never supposed to be the one that we were all underneath. The new covenant was the one. But it was kind of a, I like to say this, he really was a, it was a babysitter. The covenant was a babysitter until Jesus comes onto the scene and the new covenant comes. Now, the old covenant was given to help us understand three things. It was help given us for us to understand God's mercy, that he was always going to provide a way for us. And the second thing, to be in relationship with him, Right? And then the, the last thing was our desperate need for a better way for Jesus. All of that was pointing. It was, it was the babysitter to point to those things. So until now, we've just contrasted the differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. Okay? But I told you we were going to talk about three promises that are made in the new covenant. So let's look at those together. Okay? So the first promise: God will put his law in our minds and write them on our hearts, says in verse 10. How? How is God going to do this? How is he going to put it into our hearts? Something that was in stone for the Old Testament people, how is he going to put that into our hearts? Well, I've said this before, that one of the greatest gifts that we receive when we trust in Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit existed. The Holy Spirit was there. He's always been with a part of the Trinity. But he never indwelled the people. He never came in and lived and made his residence in the people. He only came upon them for a specific task or something that God was using that particular person for. You might remember in Psalm 51, David actually lets us know this. When David has sinned and messed up, he says, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. The reason he's saying that It's because he knows that God has given him the Holy Spirit to help be the king that he's supposed to be. But here he's made a really poor decision, a bad mistake. And he's afraid that God's going to take his Holy Spirit. But we can be confident that God indwells us with his Holy Spirit. He comes into us. And the Holy Spirit's job, according to Jesus, let's read. This is in John chapter 16. Jesus says this. He says, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now I wonder this. I wonder how many of us, if we were given the option, Jesus for a day, you get to be with him. A whole day, a whole 24 hours you get to spend with Jesus or to have the Holy Spirit indwell you for your lifetime. Which one we would choose? That'd be be hard, right? Man, Jesus right there with me for a day. Talking with Jesus, touching Jesus, that'd be hard. But Jesus says, did you catch what he said? It's good for you that I go away. It's better for you if I leave, because then the Holy Spirit will come, and he will indwell you, he'll be with you. And then he goes on, he actually says this in John 16 as well. He says, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you. Into all truth. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who is writing on our hearts and writing on our minds the truths and the commands of God. It's on our hearts under the new covenant. And the Holy Spirit's the one who fulfills that. The second promise God is going to help us experience a deeper relationship with Him. So look at the second part of verse 10 and into 11. It says this I will be their God. And they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Now, part of how this specific promise is fulfilled is by Jesus granting us access into the throne room of God, like we talked about last week. Remember, we talked about this picture of Jesus actually because of what he's done for us. We have access into the throne room of God, and that it is a throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment, it's not a throne of condemnation, but it is a throne of grace that we can come and we can bring our requests, our prayers to God. And this is what it means to be part of the new covenant that we're able to go into the holy of holies before the Lord and be able to be with him and have access. But I also want to pause right here because um, there's a second idea that, that we um, that we get to be in a relationship with God. I, I just just want to pause for a second for us to think about that. You and I get to be in relationship with God Almighty, the creator of galaxies. If we want to, we get to come and we get to bring to Him the things that are going on in our world. That, that's just mind blowing if you think about it. And, and, or, or it's this idea that we can come and ask Him for wisdom in the midst of our circumstances. And the scripture says that he wants to give that to us. He desires to give us wisdom in the midst of our circumstances or hope in the midst of all of our anxieties. And if we'll just stop and be still, we can realize he's present with us. He's present with us. It makes me, every time I think about this idea, just how incredible it is that I get to be in relationship with God Almighty. I can't help but think of what the psalmist says when he says, God, what is man that you're mindful of him? Why would you you do that? Why would you think about us that way? And the only answer we can come up with is God's unfailing and unconditional love for his people. He loves us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. He wants us to know him just as much as we are known by him. And that's exactly the point that Jeremiah is making here some of you, you might be looking at that promise and you're a little confused, right? It almost seems like uh, it's saying that we don't need teachers, right? You see that? You catch that part? It almost seems like you, we don't need teachers under the new covenant, but that's not what Jeremiah is saying. That's not what he's trying to communicate. Now, if I were to ask you, um, who do you think knows you better, a friend here at church or if you're married, a spouse? I would hope you would say spouse, right? I would hope that that would be the case, right? And why is that? Because you are in a relationship with them that's different than the relationship with your friend. You are in an intimate relationship with them where you see all day long what's going on. You have conversations that you don't have with your friends, right? You're living life in a real way that you're not necessarily living with your friend. Now, I'm sure you're sharing things that are going on with your friend, but it's not the same kind of relationship. You're not known by your friend, or know your friend in the way that you know your spouse. And that's the language that Jeremiah is using and that the Hebrew author is trying to pick up on. It's this idea that we can know God in an intimate way. The old covenant, they didn't get that. They couldn't have that. They had to know him through bringing the sacrifices and trying to make sure they were obedient to the law. That's not what it is here. God says, I'm going to make a way, and this is part of it. You're going to have a relationship with me and experience me in a completely different way. Third promise. Final one. It says that God will forgive our sin forever. And you might be wondering, okay, wait a minute. In the Old Testament, they brought their sacrifices, right? And they were supposed to Present those, and then they were going to be forgiven, right? That was how that worked. Now, here's the thing: it's not exactly how it worked. Their sin was covered. That's what it said, right? When they made the sacrifice, their sin was covered. That didn't mean the sin went away. Uh, we we have a, a new puppy dog. His name is Bear. He's one of the cutest dogs you've ever seen. He's massive. He really is. He's only five months old, and he's huge. Um, but when we first got him, he was just a couple weeks old. We have a leather sofa, and Bear made a hole in our leather sofa, all right? And I did my best. I put duct tape all over it. Um, I I was trying to cover the hole really well, you know? And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be great. But guess what? Bear knew where he bit the hole, and Bear went back to the hole and started digging up and, of course, tore the tape off and made an even bigger hole there, right? This is exactly like Israel, if you think about it. Israel sinned. They covered it. And then they went back to their sin, and it was still there, right? We even for a little while tried to put a blanket over it. And that kind of distracted Bear for a little while, right? It got him distracted for a little while, but he still knows it there. We still know it's there. But guess what? When we moved to East Bernard, we're not taking that sofa. <laughs> Nobody wants a sofa with a hole in it, right? And I'd be embarrassed to show you that, whole, that sofa, right? We're getting a whole new sofa. That's exactly what it is for this new covenant. The old covenant, it only covered over the whole, the sin. In the new covenant, you're getting a brand new sofa. Forever. That's what the author's trying to say. We get a new sofa because we're forgiven. Our sins are forever forgotten is what God says right here in this passage. They're forgotten forever. Man, that's beautiful. So, The only way these new covenant promises are secured for us is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the only way that these three promises are fulfilled for us. And so Jesus does that. He puts himself on the cross, sacrifices himself, his life for our life, his death for the death that we deserved. Some of us are trying to live just like those early Jewish believers, these Hebrew believers who are thinking, you know what, if I just just live right, then I'll secure my place in heaven. If I just do the right things, I'll secure my place in heaven. We think we're going to earn salvation, but the problem is we can't earn salvation. It's a gift that God has given to us. So stop trying to live in a conditional relationship. Stop trying to, to earn God's favor. God has already given you his favor through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is receive it in faith. All you have to do is say, I trust and believe in what Jesus has done. And these three promises are yours forever. What an incredible, incredible promise. Just trust in what he has done, his unconditional, experiential relationship for you that he secured and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for the truth we find in the new covenant promises. God, that you have done it for us, that you love us so much that you would make a way for your spirit to be in us. God, for us to be in a deep relationship with you, to experience you, to know you, And Father, for our sins to be forgiven forever. God, I pray that no one would leave this place without knowing and trusting in this very thing. They wouldn't try to live on their own, trying to secure, trying to do better, earn more. But Father, they would trust in what Jesus has already done for them and receive the gift that you've given. We pray this in Jesus' name.
0: If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.